Welcome to the Sermon B-Side Podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in the Harrisburg region of Central Pennsylvania. Sermon B-Side is designed to be a resource to answer your questions and to go deeper into the conversation started by each week's sermon. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Liberty B-Side Podcast. My name is Bob Carvella. I am pinch hitting today for Jenna Wright here, as always, mostly always, is uh, our pastor, Matt Lulloyne. Matt, welcome to another episode of the B-Side Podcast, but I have a question oh, man. before we start. Oh, before we even start. Yes. Jenna Wright. Jenna Wright. Last, son, last week, she was introduced yep. as the new host <laughs> of the B-Side Podcast. She's yes. already getting a week off. What oh. kind of union is she in? She's got the best negotiator on her team. My she had a, yeah, goodness, quite the. She got a week's vacation after the first <laughs> after the first week on the B side. That is a job. sweet deal. Real sweet deal. Ooh, yes, yeah. uh, Jenna and Anthony are taking some much deserved vacation time away uh, this week, and so thank you, Bob, for being the guest host. As you've done a handful of times, you've been you've been on both sides of the microphone. Both sides of the mic. This side. This side. This week. And then the next time we get together after October 1st, I'll be on the other side because I'm scheduled to preach that week. So we call, get... we call that in, in baseball a utility player. That's U- right. Utility you are a, infielder. You are a utility player, Bob. And I appreciate that about you. Well, uh, thanks. I, I enjoy serving in different roles and just not messing things up. So now you do more uh, than that. And, I'm, and thanks for jumping in for, for Jenna today. Yeah. Uh, glad to our, do that. Being our guest host. Yeah. So, um, Yesterday was, you know, there are certain Sundays uh, in the life of the church. Every Sunday is a special Sunday, but just in terms of things that will uh, really are markers for the life of a church, I thought yesterday was one of those. Is uh, we got to not just gather and worship, which is always wonderful, but we got to send off one of our own. Yeah, uh, yep. I thought that was a really special Sunday. It was really sweet to to get to commission Dana. Uh, to have a representative from Surge, Dan Matcha, there with us to have the global missions team up there and just praying for her. Mike Schuff leads that global missions team. One of our elders done yes. a phenomenal job yes, with for that. Sure. It was, it was a really sweet day and it was, um, yeah, we, it, it's continuing this theme even of, you know, September being a ascending September this yeah. year. And, um, we're getting to do this combined service with community free on Sunday. I, th- I thought you said this really well yesterday, Bob, that we're going to come in as two churches and then we're going to leave as three yeah. uh, from that. But yeah, we, uh, we are sent to, um, to this region uh, to plant new churches. We are sent to the ends of the earth uh, and then we're sent in the ordinary, everyday, mundane lives that we, that we live. Uh, yeah. And so we're really getting to see that uh, both in sending Dana and sending people from our church to MCC. Uh, also, you know, it's kind of incredible the timing in the in the providence of God that we're in Exodus three and four on a day when Moses gets his call from God yes. in a, in a, in a month that we're talking a lot about sending and calling and, and all of these kinds of things. So For I think sure. I think it even uh, unplanned. In case anyone was curious, uh, we laid out that sermon series before we knew uh, when um, when we were going to commission Dana. Um, but it's just it's uh, it's cool to see those things start to dovetail um, in our sermon series. Yeah, for sure. And like you said in the introduction to, uh, to the sermon yesterday uh, for Moses, it was just an ordinary day. One among uh, the last 40 years that he had spent in Midian caring for sheep, just doing his thing. And then uh, something pretty extraordinary happened. So 
Uh, Matt, if you would, maybe yeah. take a minute, 90 seconds or so. Yeah. Uh, just give us an overview of uh, Exodus 3 uh, through 4.17. Yeah, and there's plenty in there that I didn't really get to dive into. That'll that'll something I, I'll be able to say, any of us that preach will be able to say throughout this series with the, the, the speed and kind of the way we're going through it. But um, yeah, so at the burning bush... Uh, God calls Moses to be the, the human instrument of his deliverance uh, of the Israelites from their slavery in Egypt. And really what we did then yesterday was dive into to three things about Moses' calling and that encounter with God at the burning bush. Um, I use the headings of the wrong deliverer, the right deliverer, and the real deliverer. Uh, the wrong deliverer being Moses' words throughout these two chapters are almost all excuses of why he's the wrong guy. And it really comes down to his insufficiency. Yeah. He sees his inadequacy, his insufficiency. He rattles off reasons for that, uh, resume, his reputation, his rhetoric, and then just his overall reluctance. Yeah. Uh, the right deliverer, God responds to, to all of those excuses with examples, evidences of God's sufficiency. Uh, so where Moses is, is insufficient, God is, is all sufficient. And, and God is sufficient in his mercy in uh, his power, in his presence, there was a handful of there's five or six of those different examples of God's sufficiency. He, God is the right deliverer of his people, the only one who can deliver his people. But then the fascinating thing at the end, the real deliverer, is that um, that God uses insufficient people like Moses uh, to bring real deliverance. And Moses is the the you know both both God and Moses can be uh, rightly referred to as the deliverer of God's people from Egypt. Um, and it's because God, who is all sufficient, uses insufficient people like Moses to, to do that. Yeah. yeah. And in doing so, uh, clearly then God gets all the glory uh, because he's working through very insufficient people, very limited people. That's right. Like Moses, like you, like me. Absolutely. Yeah, for Absolutely. sure. Um, I, I really appreciated that point about insufficient sufficiency uh, there towards mm. the end and and how uh, those are the two ditches that we so frequently fall into. Yeah. Probably more often than not for many of us dwelling on our insufficiency and thereby not stepping into situations that God would want us to step into. That's right. Uh, there's also the danger sometimes of uh, thinking that we are more sufficient than we actually are. Yeah. Stepping into situations that God would maybe say that that's not for you. Yeah. Uh, maybe being a little bit full of ourselves and, and, uh, yeah, getting ahead of God. That's right. And, and I think that's even a great application point, um, discussion point for Bible study groups this week is, um, yeah, I, to, to even ask each other in your group, do you see kind of a trend in your own life? Like, are you, are you one that more tends to be, to overestimate yourself and kind of run into that with a, with a false sense of your own sufficiency and then realizing like, Oh, I, I actually, you know, don't have it here. Yeah. Uh, or are you one that really dwells and fixates on your, your inadequacies and your insufficiency and then doesn't take that step. And I bet you, if you trace the, the arc of, of our lives, there might be a general pattern to like, we tend to be a little bit more, uh, you know, brash and overestimate ourselves in our youth. And then as the older we get, the more, uh, Hopefully, by the grace of God, the more wise we become, the more experiential wisdom we have. Uh, and, and then maybe we sometimes swing the pendulum to the other side and feel like, man, I'm, I'm so insufficient. I have nothing to offer here. Uh, but I'd be curious, you know, that, that might be a general, a general, you know, generalization. 
But uh, but I'd be curious to to hear you know uh, even in my Bible study how different men in my study have have seen that play out in their own lives whether they, yeah. they tend to be more overestimating or or dwelling on their insufficiency. I was actually thinking back over the last few days. I worked in campus ministry when I was in my my early twenties for three or four years, and I think about the people that I worked with and some of the interactions that we had and. And we were so full of enthusiasm and yeah. excitement uh, about serving the Lord and, you know, just really doing things that were going to change our campuses and change the world. Yeah. And, and uh, a lot of naivete in there. <laughs> um, and then, you know, you grow and life kind of smacks you around a little bit and you you do start to wonder, you know, what are my sufficiencies for anything? But yeah. I think in that pendulum, then you do get to a point where, yeah. There are insufficiencies, but God is fully sufficient, and yeah, and we can have peace and rest in that, and trust in Him, not in our abilities, uh, but fully trusting in Him. So that's well said, Bob. I was I was going to make a crack about not being able to relate at all, but uh, <laughs> I think, I, I, it does really. I I, I don't know. That resonates, I, I, that resonates I, deeply, and it uh, and that's well said. And and that's the the goal is that we that we do. I, I just I go back all the time uh, to what you know I referenced it yesterday to what Paul writes in Second Corinthians of who is sufficient for these things, but our sufficiency is from God. Yes, and and that you know, or even the refrain, the the gospel refrain that becomes the refrain of our lives. You know, we can't. Jesus did in Him we can. Mm-hmm. I think that's the yes, that's the refrain because you can get hung up on the we can't part. Right. Um. You can maybe get hung up. Hung up's the wrong word. It's, it's right to just dwell deeply on the fact that Jesus did. That's that's a great place to, to stay. Unless the Jesus did part um, makes you passive and avoidant of the of the like also in him now we we can't. Like we are act we're called to be active in his yes. work in the world, active even in our own pursuit of sanctification. You know, we're we're passive in in justification, we're passive in like we have to be delivered by God. We cannot deliver ourselves. But as we are, and when, and when we are by faith, we then become very active in the, that ongoing yeah. work that he's doing. And and that's really when you know that your uh, growth in Christ is is where it ought to be. I mean, we, we should be studying mm-hmm. the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We should be growing in that. Uh, we should love to study, hear sermons, read scripture, all of that. But but the result of that then should be lives that extend to others yeah. the grace that we have received. And that if yeah. all we're doing is getting a lot of head knowledge yep. and it's not translating into lives that are um, impacting others for the sake of the gospel, yeah. uh, it's it's not really accomplishing what, what it's designed to. That's right on. Yeah. So we did get a couple questions and a few other things that we can uh, kick around here. Great. So yeah. are you ready to dive in? Let's do it. Okay. I'm going to save the one question for the end Okay. because uh, it, it's a great question. I think it needs uh, an appropriate ma- amount of time to... <laughs> to uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But, I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat already, but great. Yeah, yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll kick that one down to the end. So uh, here's a question we got. Uh, Moses married a daughter of a Midian priest. And lived with those people for 40 years. Yeah. What deity did the Midianites worship? Did they actually believe in the true God? Yeah. And is that ever mentioned or clarified in the Old Testament? So there he is, 40 years. Yeah. Um, what, what was going on with respect to worship? And uh, was God 
the one true God um, worshipped by the Midianites or at least some part of them? Yeah, yeah, great question. That we get the sense that that Moses' father-in-law as a priest is a God-fearer, that he actually fears the the one true God. Now, how that played out or what the roots and origins of that is, we don't have a lot of information, but he he seems to be one who is is faithful to to the one true God. Um we um Moses relies on him for even advice about delegation. We'll actually get to, to touch on that later on in the book of Exodus. Um, yeah, we don't have a sense that he's that he's a priest of a different of a different religion, but it's not really specified one way or the other. So you get the sense that maybe he is faithful to the one true God, but I guess at the end of the day, we don't really know. The Midianites now, especially fast forward uh, into the actual Exodus and the, the Israelites being led out of Egypt, they're in the wilderness. There's a there's a pretty intense account of them in the wilderness and how the Midianites specifically are are the the source of their stumbling. Um, there's a lot of sexual immorality in that. There's the whole um, if you're familiar with this account in scripture, the whole um, account of Balaam, uh, Balak and Balaam, Balaam um, the prophet who who Balak hires uh, to prophesy over the Israelites curses to pronounce curses upon them. And he says, I can only do what God says I'm allowed to do. And he actually ends up blessing them multiple times yep, instead of yep. cursing them. That's in Numbers 22, 23, and 24. And, but anyway, in that account, the, when that fails, the Midianites are, uh, it, it seems at that point that the Midianites are worshiping some form of Baal, uh, the God of the ancient Near East that has multiple kind of forms. Uh, but the Midianites then are worshiping some form of Baal. And, and that idol worship combined with the sexual immorality of that um, caught up a lot of the Israelites into a, a real uh, intense sin pattern and, and led many of them away. Yeah. So the Midianites are not looked upon favorably uh, throughout, um, throughout the Old Testament. Well, even from the series, whatever that was, uh, we went through the book of Judges, uh, Gideon. Yeah. Um, yes, the uh, the four hundred that uh, his four hundred man army going up against the the Midianites, yes, uh, and defeating them. Yeah. Uh, so even after they've occupied the promised land, Midianites continue to be a thorn in the side. Yep. Of uh, of God's people. Yep. Yep. That's right. Um, am I getting that right, Bob? Fact check me on this. It, I'm getting maybe Moab and Midian. Uh, conflated in my mind. I'm second guessing what I just said a yeah. second ago. Yeah. So this is a uh, like real time, you know, we're just trying to figure out if I'm Midian. Certainly you're right about Gideon, Gideon and the Midianites. They were an enemy of the, of Israel during the time of the judges. Yeah. I'm thinking that um, might've been Moab. Um, yeah. Was it Moab? That was the, um, they were the, the princes of Moab. I'm going back to, okay. So I'm looking at numbers 22 Verse seven: The elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed okay. with the fees for divination in there. Maybe that's why it's confusing. Got, got, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there, so so both of them were collaborating. Yes, uh, Moab and Midian together, concerned about the the Israelites in the wilderness, afraid they were going to be defeated by them. So I think what I said stands. I can't remember yeah. the specifics now of of what who did what in that situation. But yeah, I would say generally speaking, the Midianites worshipped a different deity. This priest, this father-in-law of Moses, Jethro, um, seemingly was not a priest of Baal. Seemingly was actually a priest of of God. Maybe in a similar way, although this is never made explicit in Scripture, that Abraham meets that priest named Melchizedek um, 
in the Old Testament that comes out of nowhere and Melchizedek is a priest of God. It is clear that Melchizedek is a priest of God. Um, so, so maybe in the same way that he was a, a man like Jethro, even though he's from a different place, doesn't come from a line of official priests like the Levites, yes. but would still be a, a faithful, uh, would be faithful to, to the one true God. Right. Right. Yeah. Great question. Yeah, for sure. So, and we'll, we'll, uh, see him again in a few chapters. Yeah. Um, at a pivotal point in, uh, in Moses's experience as, as, uh, the deliverer of Israel. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So a couple of things I did want to touch on that we didn't get these questions exactly, but just in conversations with some folks. Um, there was, there's the whole issue of God's holiness that we see in the burning bush that, that Moses was standing on holy ground. He had to take off his shoes. Yeah. Um, and um, we see throughout scripture, but particularly the Old Testament, this idea of God's holiness um, uh, evident in different ways. Even, uh, I think it was a few weeks back, we talked about um, God being described not just as holy, not just as holy, holy, but holy, 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 yeah. repeated three times, which yeah. is a way in uh, the ancient language to emphasize. And it's the only attribute of God that is repeated three times. Yeah. His holiness. It's like the, the preeminent um, attribute of his is that he's holy. Yeah. Um, and so Moses is, you know, he, he has to take off his shoes. He bows to the ground. It, today, God is just as holy now as he was then. Do, do we not give a right respect? Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a tendency in 21st century Christendom mm-hmm. to not give a right respect to God's holiness? And to the extent that's true, how do we do that in this day and time? Yeah, that's really good. I think that is true among um, among many. I really do. The, the, so even you see a really good glimpse of this at the burning bush, as you mentioned, Bob, that um, that there, the, the imagery in Scripture even of fire yeah. being a picture of the holiness of God, the purity of God, the the separateness or otherness of God is really what the, the essence of holiness. We, you know, it definitely has an aspect of like righteousness and purity. Um, but really what holiness means at its absolute core is otherness, separateness. And it's, it's that distinction that God is not his creation. He is other than he is separate from what he made yeah. in his creation. And so that, that relates to something that's come up a handful of times over the, the last several years at Liberty in different sermons and texts in scripture the idea of that God is both transcendent and imminent. So the holiness of God would really be what where we see his transcendence, his yeah. others. He's over and distinct from his creation. And what that translates to for us and how we relate to God would be reverence, would be awe, would be fear. Um, that God is awful and terrible in like the, the old school definitions of those words. Like yes. fills us with awe, fills us with terror. Um, because there's such a separateness and distinction that he is, he is holy. We are not, we are separate from him in that way that we, you know, like Moses hides his face here. Like he can't even bear to look at God or, um, even when messengers from God, when angels encounter, uh, you know, when encounter human beings, they often like fall on their face and can't look at God. Yeah. And, and any of the theophanies that happen, the visions of God in scripture are often accompanied by, the person having the theophany being unable to look at God. So I would say 
I would say, yeah, there's, there's a, a big pocket of, um, and maybe this is, maybe this is particularly true in, um, evangelical Protestant Christianity in the West in the 21st century. Yeah. And maybe even a byproduct of the fast that, of, of the fact that we have so much familiar, a lot of people have so much familiarity, um, or backgrounds with the church with something of Christianity that's been kind of embedded in our culture for a long time. That's changing now, but that that familiarity breeds, if not contempt, irreverence, it, it familiarity breeds irreverence. And it's like, yeah. God is, God is too familiar in a sense, um, that keeps us from actually being fully reverent the way that we, the way that we need to be. Uh, certainly that's true. For example, in like our language, taking the Lord's name in vain. Yeah. One of the, one of the 10 commandments that we'll get to in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. But we, we will use, but that, that doesn't just mean using God's name, Jesus's name as a, as a curse word. It means using it in a vain way. Casually. Casually. Yeah. Without actually uh, esteeming the weight that, that God's name has. Right. And I think in that sense, we don't have reverence about God's name. Yeah. We, we throw his name around. And I've done, I mean, I'm guilty of this, certainly. Throwing God's name around way too casually and lightly. Yeah. So I think that's true. I do think there there are pockets of Christians, including in the in the Protestant evangelical you know camps, um, that that also um, that also like really do appreciate the holiness of God, but perhaps don't hold it in tension with the imminence of God. And God becomes these are maybe like if you grew up in certain circles in Christianity where like God seems to you to be like the the angry just ready to pounce on you the minute you step out of line, uh, you know, unmerciful, ungracious, just a, just a domineering, um, figure. Uh, you might've grown up in a camp that really did emphasize the holiness of God, but did not equally emphasize the, um, the nearness of God, the imminence of God, that he is, uh, above us and holy, but he's also among us and with us. So I think there's, I think there's both. I think certainly a growth area for almost all of us would be to think about what is what does reverence look like in terms of how we use God's name? Um, what does reverence look like in terms of how we um, do we deal do we deal with our sin in a way that that um, adequately reflects the holiness of God? Because um, Jesus will even even says uh, that we are to be holy as God is holy. That we're actually to to yes. to to pursue that kind of holiness in our own lives. I think if we're more on the imminence side, the nearness side of this, uh, of this, that we can sometimes as a, as an unintended consequence of that, um, not actually, not actually address our sin, not actually, um, seek to put it to death, not actually, as the author of Hebrews says, <laughs> resist sin to the point of shedding blood. Hmm. So those are maybe two things, how we handle God's name and how we handle sin. Yeah. As you were talking, I was even thinking of it in terms of how we approach the table on Sundays. Um, That's a good one, too. There's always the risk and the danger, and I'm sure I've I've done it more Sundays than I would prefer to think about, Hmm. of coming to the table too casually and and not really thinking about uh, what all is going on there, what, what Jesus did. For us, yeah. for me, his yeah. body and blood uh, broken and shed yeah. uh, so that I could be redeemed. And so that this God, who is a holy, holy, holy God, um, invites us to come. Yeah, that's right. Um, 
that we even he is holy, but we we no longer need to be far off from him. But because of Christ, we can come with confidence that he is a holy God and he is our holy father. That's right. Um, And and uh, so we don't want to take it too casually. We don't also want to be um, have such a view of God's holiness that we think I can't come. Yep. Because of Jesus, we're invited to come. He delights when we come. Yeah. Um, and so, so that might be another aspect. That is, that's really good. And that's, um, yeah. And definitely as a, as a byproduct of, uh, of what we see in the burning bush and the calling of Moses is that God is both, both of those things. He's holy. He's near. He uses the commonplace, the ordinary, a a bush, a man like Moses, um, gluten-free bread, (laughs) gluten-free bread. That's right. If that's helpful for you to know, if that's helpful for you to know, as we all say every yes. week when we, when we, when we do it. That's right. Yeah. Great. Chick-fil-A, great they say, my pleasure. Yeah. We say, if it's helpful it's, for you to know. it's helpful for you, it's just, it's just deeply ingrained. It's just so deeply ingrained in our introduction to communion. That's great. So, okay. So we, uh, uh, uh in, Conversation. We also talked a little bit about this idea of fire that mm. we see throughout yeah. Scripture. So yep. here, the burning bush, we see God's holiness represented yeah. uh, by fire. Yep. As we go through Scripture, we see uh, God represented uh, in in um, in fire, but yeah. in different ways. Maybe you could talk about that yeah. a little bit and how we see that and how God reveals Himself maybe in different ways yeah. through the same element of fire. Yeah, fire fire is used for a few different things in Scripture, but the main two, at least that are coming to my mind in the moment, would be the presence of God. Um, well, let's say three: the presence of God, purity, and then judgment. Those are so. If you kind of take the big picture of Scripture, you've got these kind of big buckets. You could put the different um, the different ways that fire is used yeah. in a recurring way. So. Um, so certainly it, it, you know, the pre and the presence of God is like this at the burning bush. The Israelites, when they are led out of Egypt, are led by a cloud, a pillar of a cloud during the day and a pillar of fire by night. Um, the apostles in, uh, at Pentecost, after Jesus ascends to heaven, 40 days later, uh, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit descends upon them in tongues of fire. And so there, there's a, there's imagery throughout scripture, all the new Testament that, that fire, re- it represents the presence of, of God. Uh, and so, that's one of the main things. Um, purity, purification, the idea even of um, that that the dross or the impurities in gold or in silver are burned away and, and the people of God are, refri- are refined. Pictures of sanctification. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's another theme that, um, that fire is used for is purification. And then uh, judgment. And that especially when you get to the New Testament, some of the epistles that talk about the end. Uh, I'm thinking of Thessalonians. I'm thinking of, I think in Second Peter, we were talking that there's an instance there. Um, certainly, the Book of Revelation. There's a lake of fire. So there's a there's a presence of God kind of bucket. There's a purification uh, bucket, and there's a judgment kind yeah. of bucket. So the one here, certainly at the burning bush, would be maybe an overlap of those first two. Um, mm-hmm. That God is pure. Um, he's not pure. I mean, he, he is purifying Moses throughout this interaction, but the fire itself doesn't necessarily have a direct impact on that. So the burning bush would primarily be the presence of God. Um, and that's also then what we see in the pillar of fire leading, uh, as the nighttime 
leading of, of the people of God yeah. out of Egypt. Yeah. Through yeah. the wilderness. Good, good, good. So we have one more question here. Mm. This is the one. This is the one you were waiting until the... Okay, let's do yep. it. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. Okay. I'm sure that there are many people besides this questioner, many people that would like to hear the origin story for how Matt became the mascot for a hockey team. <laughs> yeah. So Matt. Yep. Yep. This uh, is it. That's great. You just, that was just a little side comment you threw it in. Was. But here we go. It's always the side comments that like people remember most. Yep. yep. That's uh, if I've learned anything about preaching over the years. <laughs> my comment about potato bread from like a decade ago yeah. is, is one of the most remembered for people that have been around that long. Uh, anyway. And now that'll be a question for next that'll week. That'll be a question Tell for the next story week. of potato yeah. bread. But the mascot thing, yeah, I mentioned that just in passing about uh, Moses' resume. I'm talking about resumes, so that's where that came up. But yeah, I, so I was a uh, initially a broadcast journalism major in college and then a marketing major. I switched. I uh, worked for the athletics department for TCU, uh, where I went to school. And um, uh, also during that time, was looking for different internships as a marketing major. Some of the connections kind of came together there. There was a, a CHL minor league hockey team in Fort Worth called the Fort Worth Brahmas. And I did a, a sports <laughs> marketing internship with them for a semester. Uh, the main roles during games and stuff was to do kind of in-game promotions. So if you've been, to, if you've been to like a Hershey Bears game, all those like in-game promotions they do where they drop stuff from the blimp and yeah, there were all kinds of stuff that. So that was the main thing I did for them. But the, uh, the mascot for the, the Brahmas was a giant purple bull, like this massive purple bull. During the games, the guy that was the mascot was like six foot four, Probably like 280. I mean, he was like a large human being, okay? Um, this is a radio format, so maybe it's not obvious here, but I am not a large human being, Bob. I am, I am not six foot four and I am not 280. Uh, I'm a little bit smaller than that. So, so what they found was that that, that guy, um, whenever the mascot would do appearances at like elementary schools, would just really scare the heck out of all the, the like kindergarten through fifth grade kids. And so whenever there would be like, an elementary Christmas party or like an element, like some kind of a public appearance for the Fort Worth Brahmas that was primarily like a kid's event. The five foot eight, you know, at the time, like, I don't know, 140. I don't know what I was in college, but the five foot eight, 140 mat was a better, less intimidating option than the, the regular mascot. The kinder, gentler. The kinder, gentler Brahma. Yeah. So I was the, I was the Brahma for like the public appearances for like the kids stuff. Uh, nice. That's the, that's the origin story of that uh, one. Very good. <laughs> Do you still have the uniform? Well, we oh, see no. it. Up oh, I, I no, I, that was a. I only had. I only could use it for the events, and then it went back. Okay, it went back to the. Yeah, it was a. I did learn a lot about. There's a mascot subculture out there. You know, like <laughs> I, you'd be at events with multiple mascots of different stuff, and yeah. you'd go behind a curtain. You're not supposed to talk when you're in a mascot's costume. You're uh -huh. not supposed to ever That's say anything. Part of the code. It's the code. It's yeah. the mascot code. It's like pirates code from Pirates of the Caribbean. It's yeah, like, yeah. This is mascot code. But when the back or behind a curtain, you know, you take your you take your 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 hat off, your your uh, your the head of your mascot off, and you know, guys would be smoke breaks and talking about the best gigs in town. And I was like, this is a new world for me. I've, uh, I'm just putting my my toe in the water. Well, all sorts of experiences in our backgrounds that that are uh, can be comical and whatever. So, yeah, relevant uh, relevant experience. Relevant experience. <laughs> hey, probably trained you in some way for. Being a pastor, I, I'm sure of the providence of God there, but I don't know if I could if I could directly yeah, connect yeah. any lines for you in the yeah. moment. Yeah. 
So uh, just so you know, for your Bible study groups, there are four questions uh, loaded into the, um, the document on your Bible study group website or group. If you don't know how to get there, just go either through the app or you can go through our website to uh, your Bible study group. Uh, there's a tab there for resources. And then you look for the tab or the resource there that's marked Fall 2023 Bible Study Questions and Sermon Schedule. And if you click on that, it'll take you to a document that has all of the questions. Well, they're updated each week. So uh, four questions for this Sunday, this past Sunday sermon for your group to, to discuss. So uh, that's where they are. If you have any questions about how to find those, you can talk to your Bible study leader. If they're not sure, they can contact me. I'd be glad to to help you out. So, Matt, any last uh, comments, any last uh, things you want to say as folks get ready to meet this week? No, I'm, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm excited for you guys to be able to, to, to talk about this more in your groups. And um, even this, too, I know we're, we're really trying with our groups this year, and we have been last year, too, to really emphasize prayer for, for one another, even in the moment. And if there are people in your groups that really are feeling overwhelmed by their own inadequacy in some way, this would be a great moment in your group to take that time in the group, pray for them. If your group has this kind of environment and you can do this comfortably, um, or even maybe a little out of your comfort zone to even like put ha- lay hands on yeah. that person in your group, pray, pray that they would, that they would really would be able to get their eyes off of their own insufficiency and adequacy and, and fix them on Jesus, fix them on God's sufficiency. Um, instead, I think that would be a great way to, to both dive into the, the content of this text, as well as practically care for one another in our groups um, yeah. together this week. Yeah, and as one who has both received prayer uh, in that way, and has also mm. been one who has put hands on somebody, that's mm. a it, it is very powerful. Yeah, and um, yeah, so I encourage you to do that. Also, just a last encouragement: uh, please don't come to this church building on Sunday. <laughs> Uh, but please, please uh, come to Covenant Christian Academy yep. for the um, joint service as we get ready to launch Midtown Community Church. It will be another one of those special Sundays in the history of our church, um, also community-free and Midtown. So yeah, uh, please right. come to that. Uh, it'll be a great Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, hope to see you there. And uh, until then, hope you guys all have a, a great week. Okay. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Sermon B-Side podcast. For more resources, information about our church, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org.